It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down I was born. Hello, folks. Welcome back to another edition of American Loser. This is uh, going to be one of the final episodes that I get to record here in the studio at Eatontown, New Jersey. Um, it's very fun. It's exciting on that. But uh, it's I'm going to be going down to Jacksonville, if you guys don't know about that. it's uh, I will be back up in March. I'm just going to be coasting out of here. We're doing, uh, I believe it's going to be February. And uh, yeah, February and March, I'm going to be down there. March will be coming back up. But with me right now is my Dilf of a dad, Larry. Uh, American Loser is a special project to us, is it not, Dad? It is. It is. We're, uh, this is the uh, the swan song to the Jersey, but we will be filtering through. through. Oh, yeah. Um, We're still putting content out. Kahuna's with us. He's going to be helping us out. We've got uh, some solo episodes coming out from me. my own spinoff eventually. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. That's will right. it last more than one season? Who knows? Well, this it's on one, NBC. Travel expenses <laughs> to Florida, whatever. Whatever it takes. We're going to get a good none. Kahuna well, takes Manhattan. fun. Uh, we got... Uh, Kahuna's here. Eric Albert's joining us again. Eric, Eric Albert made us aware of this topic existing in the first place. So we're going to end this episode with you two guys getting a chance to do Casting Couch. So I know Eric's already got his uh, kind of a couple of his ideas in mind. And good old Kahuna, I think you can enjoy the guy we're about to talk about too, okay? So just so you guys know, I'm from the great state of New Jersey. My father's from the great state of New Jersey. But um, we Kahuna's both from to, the uh, great state of New Jersey. sure is. Again, Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock. <laughs> Fraggle I'm Rock from Fraggle New Rock. York. <laughs> and uh, poor Eric over here grew up in Queens. So, I did. Um, anyway. Uh, so sorry for your loss. That explains so many things. It's true. It's true. But like we said, Eric grew is an in interesting guy. Guyana. <laughs> Richmond Hill, Queens. Well, uh, on this show, we like to talk about the history of our great state of New Jersey sometimes. And uh, Jersey gets shit on more than almost any other state. But we don't have a phenomenon quite like my family's home away from home, which is also known as Florida. Where you'll be headed. So, yeah, I said I'm heading down to Jacksonville. That's where I was stationed for my time in the Navy. I got a lot of great friends down there. I started comedy down there. I love that town. I have a soft spot for it. But uh, South Beach Larry, as we like to tease him, (laughs) you're not actually staying in South Beach. Uh, You inherited, uh, along with my mother from her father, uh, Grandpa Marty, a uh, little condo down in Pompano Beach, Florida. Okay? So that's where you're going to be heading. Absolutely. Now, I'm saying those two things here real quick because uh, you didn't think there was going to be some parallels in today's story, and yet here we are. Here History we gets are. weirder right. as it comes. But If we can't have a New Jersey connection, we got to have a Florida connection, and we got a solid Florida uh, yeah. connection today. This guy, when Eric mentioned to me, uh, we were going to do – we had other episodes we wanted to do, but I had him on the phone, and I said – well, let me think of somebody else. You know, we I want to bring you down for two episodes. You know, because we got to drive him down from New York. We could push back Kahuna's Preston Tucker episode a couple more months. <laughs> I still don't know enough about I'm that not, guy. I'm just fucking with That's you, KB. It's all good. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Well, I think you'll see why. Because today's loser is uh, as soon as Eric mentioned this guy to us, my dad and I are standing next to each other. My dad brings him up on Wikipedia, and then by I would say before he was done reading the opening paragraph of Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's our kind of guy. We said to Eric, we're like, all right, Eric, this is a winner. So you're coming down for two, baby. I, I don't bring you shit. No. <laughs> Your quote yesterday on the phone with me was, uh, I only bring you guests. I'm sorry, I only bring you topics that should have movies made about them. And this is true. This guy is great. This guy is the original Florida man. 
Okay. He is equal parts terrifying, admirable, and trash. His name is John Ashley, and he earned the title of being America's last pirate, and he does it, as we're going to learn, in style. America's last pirate? And yes, sir. The king of the Everglades. <laughs> oh, man. Or the, I, or so the swamp bandit. Yeah, the yeah. swamp He's got a lot of cool oh, nicknames. Man. So, I'm getting some real Emperor Norton vibes already. <laughs> it uh, Again, Emperor Norton's still the wildest thing Eric's ever mentioned to me. But <laughs> check that, that episode out if you want. And guys, if you want to jump over and support us on the Patreon, we got a bunch of other weird topics coming up here. Patreon will stay on fire. I'll make sure LP's on every one of those episodes with me while I'm away. It's only going to be two months, really, but we'll make it happen for you guys. And your direct contributions to the show is what helps us continue to make the Tuesday episodes free. So for just five bucks a month, that's all we're asking. Come join us. We'll give you some swag. By the time this episode comes out, most people should have gotten their stuff already, which would be cool. KP, do the world a favor. Never say the word swag again. Swag is what it is. I got a, we got a million things we're working on here. We got cool merch. We'll go with merch. merch. We'll do that. So. Yeah. Swag is shit we all get. Yeah. Well, it's a weird thing with that one. It's a, I, so, you don't always get dunked on by a grown man who plays with puppets, but I did just now. I have, right, to, right. I have to accept that. Right. So. We don't do anything but high-quality merch. Indeed. So hopefully their stuff will have shown up by then. And thank you guys so much for your continued support of the show. And if you're thinking about it, come join for one month. And if you don't like it, then bail. But you're going to like it. The episodes are great. Uh, I can speak. They are quite awesome. <laughs> Born March 19th, 1888, near Fort Myers, Florida. John Ashley would spend his 36 years on Earth raising more hell than almost anyone in America's history. Yeah, even his birthday, though, is a little sketchy because uh, <laughs> some people attribute it to 1888. Some say 1895. So, you know, it gets confusing down there. in the So the very the late Everglades. 1800s. Right. Yeah. He, he was long dead before he hit 40. And now still was, just got done voting for Biden. <laughs> now, was he? Oh, man. <laughs> now, was he actually born or did he hatch from an alligator? It's close. Funny enough, he wrestled alligators. <laughs> I, okay. He's a gator hunter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kahuna, you have one of the most creative and imaginative brains of anybody I've ever met. You could not write this guy's story. <laughs> it's not every time you, you're going to think, oh, hey, what, what, but he does this, right? Oh, he did? Oh, shit. <laughs> we tease my dad and we call him South Beach Larry when him and uh, my mother go down to uh, Florida for every winter, which uh, happens to be Pompano Beach which happens to be where John Ashley spends a good portion of his youth. So right down there in Pompano, Dad, you're keeping good company with the That's king right. of the Everglades. That's right. So his father and his older brothers were in Pompano for one reason, and that was be that there was work on the railroad that was there. They were working for a guy, or not directly for him, but the guy who was putting the railroad in in that section of Florida is a guy by the name of Henry Flagler. Eric, you know anything about Flagler? I do not. You know you're important when they name a college after you, and there was a college in St. Augustine called Flagler College. Right. There's also a county in Florida named Flagler County. And this guy was he was the guy who really helped develop Florida. And back then it was mostly, again, crackers, which we go and we'll go into the word, you know, where that comes from, oh, the origin yes. of that one. Florida and, crackers. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's a distinction people. between what and, type of cracker you might be when the Florida crackers have their own uh uh, Genesis, if you will. Ah, Genesis is a good word for that. Okay, good <laughs> way to bail out of that one. All right. So, but <laughs> land of confusion on that one. Yeah. Well, it's uh again, this is pre-air conditioning. So if you're living in Florida, it's kind of a miserable existence. Unless you're a Seminole Indian. Ooh, they come into the story a little bit here too. Um, so Flagler is an interesting guy. He also, by the way, side note, happens to have helped co-found a certain company. I'll give you one guess as to what it is, Eric, if you know it. No, I don't Standard have it. Oil. Oh, yeah. Okay. They, were, they came to uh, 
make a few a few bucks, a yeah. few bucks. So this is Rockefeller South, essentially. Right. right? Um, but, uh, he's, he's like, maybe Tropicana? I don't know. <laughs> Flagler is definitely up there with the big money men of the, uh, you know, the robber barons, if you will. But if it had not been for Flagler and him putting in his railroad, uh, we would not have the Florida that we know today because he was really, if you want to go vacation in Florida, <laughs> you got to get there somehow. And to take the Sun overland Jam. route before... <laughs> Mr. Flagler put in his railroad that you you weren't going to get there. So, um, yeah, Henry Flagler is, is huge in the development of all of Florida, not just South Florida. Well, he's a fascinating guy, but uh, not quite as fascinating as John Ashley. <laughs> yeah. Young John uh, is moving around with the family quite a bit. John's father's and older brothers spent a great amount of time in the Everglades as hunters, fishermen, guides, and more. So in this story... If John Ashley is the Robin Hood of today's episode, that would mean that the Everglades are his Sherwood Forest. All right. <laughs> there's a parallel. There's, yeah. there's, there is a Sheriff Nottingham. There's a. Ooh, oh, you got to be kidding there me. There pretty much is a no, Sheriff. He's going to have is. a beef with a Sheriff. You're right. There is. Good old George B. Baker. <laughs> John also becomes a skilled tracker, hunter, fisherman, and showed great talent hunting and wrestling alligators. Okay. He's a gator man. He was mostly taught by his father. Okay. It's Papa Joe. Papa He's Joe. Papa He's Joe. Mick Dundee if Mick Dundee was <laughs> evil. Evil Mick Dundee. That's right. a good one. That's <laughs> John becomes a... Oh, uh, man. Now I want to change my casting call. You might have to. We might have to have a Paul couple. Paul Hogan on that. I'll tell you what we'll do for casting call. We'll do the one as a drama, and then we'll do one as a comedy, because okay. I have one for a comedy. It's, it's pretty good. So, <laughs> December 29th, 1911, the same year as the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire, Lou's Reception. So, oh. that's going on up in uh, New York, down in Florida. John is going to have his first and possibly final, depending on how you read it, brush with the law. So, the law. You're law. in a heap of trouble now, boy. Yeah. You, <laughs> Your lifelong trouble. <laughs> you are not kidding. Um, Just a good old boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, the local natives in South Florida, uh, if the Native Americans would be the Seminoles, like you said. So they were a proud tribe, unlike that sorry-ass college football team that uses their name. Um, more on my why I hate Florida State University later. But uh, Use a hurricane, ain't you? <laughs> I, was, uh, I lived in Gator Nation during uh, the Tebow times, man, all right? So if I, had, if I had to pick a Florida football team, I'm going with old Timmy oh. Tebow and the boys. So Aaron Hernandez and the, the Gators. <laughs> Bunch of criminals on their own, right? In truth, yeah. Bandits. Some about Florida, man. So. Uh, anyway, a dredging crew is having a normal day of work on uh, this particular day until they discover the discarded body of a Seminole tracker with a great name, by the way, DeSoto Tiger. But that's a normal day of work for a dredger, is it not? I wonder, especially in Florida. That's <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, hey, we got a body. Put it in with the others. Oh, man, we got more. <laughs> Overtime. So. Ah, shit, paperwork. <laughs> Well, uh, DeSoto Tiger is right? a great name. <laughs> DeSoto's a, uh, unfortunately, he had been working as a tracker and hunter in the area for years. And it turns out the last man he was seen with was John Ashley. Uh-oh. John and DeSoto had been spotted in a canoe together with a uh, boatload of otter pelts. DeSoto then disappeared, and John Ashley then shows up in Miami with a bunch of otter pelts to sell. Oh, yeah. And on the day he sold the pelts, the day before, rather, that he's going to sell these pelts down in Miami. He had been arrested for a reckless display of firearms, which is kind of perfect. So, 
Just oh. brandishing a gun openly. His entire life is essentially an episode of Cops. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, this dude sounds like, uh, shit, I'm blanking on the character's name, but the the degenerate from Shameless, if you ever watched that show. Which one? Uh, uh, <laughs> William H. Macy's character, Frank. Oh, yeah, Frank. <laughs> Have not watched the show much to Cousin Kelly's dismay. Sorry, Cal, I'll work on it. Um, we got to introduce you a would, character, though. You would love Lip on that show. He's got a great arc. We got to introduce your character here now, Eric. I'm pretty happy about this. You mentioned his name earlier. We think we have a voice down for him, right? Uh, Sheriff George B. Baker. George B. Baker. <laughs> <laughs> he sends two men in that are, are going to get the drop on the presumed murderer of DeSoto Tiger, John Ashley. Get that injured, yeah, killer. When, mm-hmm. I would also like to point out when uh, um, Ashley sold the pelts i mean signed the the receipt if you will it, he, he actually signed for the uh the boatload of otter pelts that uh he was last seen with 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 the soto so i mean he's last seen with this guy and then he's cashing in on the boatload of otter pelts where there was two guys in the boat now there's only one guy in the boat and there's only one guy being paid for all those otter pelts and he's now you know, shooting up the town mm-hmm. and ce- celebrating his big well, windfall. That, don't say shooting up the town just yet, because that comes in later okay. in the literal sense. Oh, come on. Um, Ain't nobody said that I can't sell the pelts without him. <laughs> well, Position's not tested at law. I got some. It's true. And now uh, Sheriff George B. Baker has two of his men. They're going to try to get the drop on this presumed murderer. The B makes Soto that Tiger. name so much better. <laughs> George B. Baker. B. Baker. He does have a... B. Baker. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Joe Don Baker should play him in the movie. Um, but uh, this event proves to be a catalyst for the John Ashley legend. The sheriffs that are attempting to arrest him are caught off guard by his brother, Bob Ashley. John sends the boys back unarmed and unharmed, but with a message for Sheriff Baker... Not to send any more of these, quote, chicken-hearted men with rifles. Otherwise, somebody going to get hurt. So <laughs> Strong. Ashley would stand trial not once but twice for the murder of DeSoto Tiger. The first trial finds John, uh, they, they're, actually, he's able to escape the conviction. Um, but the Seminole Nation was outraged. The Native Americans like, this is bullshit. You know, we know this guy did this. John actually has to disappear for a few years. Supposedly, he made it all the way out to Washington State where he was working as a logger. Uh, they do say that's far. Yeah, that's uh, quite yeah, the that's jump from clear Florida. across the country. Yeah, right. Also, like a little diagonally uh, across the yeah. country. Too. A little time like over in New Orleans. Seven thousand miles. <laughs> I ain't jumping over to Louisiana for a while and uh, dealing yeah. with them gators. But uh, to go from the Sunshine State to Seattle Ooh. is just a jarring transition. <laughs> yeah. He was trying to catch an early Foo Fighters concert. Might as well have been. Oof, oof, man. Foo Fighters, that's what you're going out there for? I know, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I tried, I really tried, it's and then I was like, oh, no. It's <laughs> a little Alice in Chains reference for you. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> But again, uh, John's making his way. He spent some time down in New Orleans, they say, as well, which has a little bit of that Cajun kind of swamp people vibe that he probably a little bit more akin to than down in Seattle. But um, in around 1914, 1915, John comes back to Florida because we all do once it gets its claws into you (laughs) and surrenders himself to the authorities. He was hoping that a hometown judge would find him innocent. But the the prosecutor was uh, clever. He decides he's going to move the trial down to Miami instead of West Palm. Florida Supreme Court judge. Mm -hmm. Wait, why this uh, change of scenery? Well, because, again, he wanted to have a venue, my friend. Yeah. (laughs) He wanted to play a home game and they said, no, no, you're going to play an away game. So 
That's essentially what court. happens. We're, if we're, 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 we're playing in the bubble right now. <laughs> <laughs> if we're selecting the jury, we're going to do it from out of towners, not the local boys that are are very fond of uh, John Ashley because he was a good old boy. He, he had a lot of friends in there. doing no wrong. <laughs> That's right. Trouble just, in the law with this, since the day he was born. Just trying to make just make, make ends meet. That's all. Making, making the way the, the only way they know how. That's right. Making the curves. Fighting the hills. Fighting the system like, like a, a modern day, day Robin, Robin Hood. Hood. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, Kevin, it's been great Nerds. having this podcast with you, but I guess these Nerds. two guys are taking over. <laughs> It's about damn time. <laughs> Duke's a hazard. Well, John yeah. is now faced with a wild idea. Our boy, John Ashley here. Do I try this whole uh, go on a trial thing or do I go full outlaw? Well, the show is called American Loser, so you guys at home know the answer to this already. <laughs> the very same Sheriff Baker that had been threatened in a letter years earlier now has a son on the force. Okay. The son was the man escorting prisoner John Ashley when John goes full Florida man and breaks out. John busts out of custody literally by jumping through uh, an unlocked door and then scaling a 10-foot fence. That's how he gets out. And the guy who was supposed to be stopping him is George B. Baker's son. Son. Now you're humiliating him. Damn it, Cletus! That's right. (laughs) But it's interesting. When I get home, I'm going to punch your mama right in the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So he busts out and he becomes an outlaw in South Florida, all while again humiliating the Baker family. Important to note, this feud continues here. But now the fun is going to get kicked up to another level. John Ashley forms a criminal gang, and they get right to it after lining themselves with a gangster out of Chicago named Kid Lowe. Okay, Rob Lowe's brother. Um, <laughs> the crew starts pulling off train robberies, and once they work out a solid plan, things start to go a little bit more smoothly for them. The problem they had in the, some of the early bank robberies was, um, you know, when you say, hey, uh, am I going to pick up the beer and the sandwiches, or do I need to pick up the tickets for the game? And then you get to the game, and you both show up with beer and sandwiches. <laughs> like, oh, shit. So We're tailgating. That's yeah, kind of what happened they, on the train here. They didn't really, guys. right. The first train robbery didn't go so well because, all right, who's supposed to break into the mail car and who's supposed to be robbing the passengers? Mm-hmm. And uh, things didn't go right. And the whole Ashley gang, I mean, you got a lot of your brothers working for you and you got Papa Joe involved with this whole thing it's too. A family so affair, just like who, this podcast. Who knows more <laughs> about the, the train, uh, the train than uh, the guy who helped build the thing for, uh, um, for Flagler, Flagler in the in the first place. So Joe's in and around the, the trains, and uh, it's a family affair. He's just jocking off at of Jesse James's bullshit. <laughs> he, he is. They actually they were starting to refer to him as the Jesse James of the South, uh, which is a wild thing to talk about too. For a good old King of the Everglades, not quite the king yet, but the legend is on the rise. The, the gang- nicknames keep moving. Oh, it's great. And the money's coming in pretty good, too. The gang would rob uh, more than $45,000 off the trains during that year, which adjusted for inflation is probably well over a million dollars. I mean, this also includes a balls-to-the-wall daylight robbery in Stewart, Florida. It's a pretty good score, right? Uh, It would be, but it's hard to enjoy your newly acquired wealth when your partner, Kid Lowe, accidentally shoots you in the face during the getaway. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> little little misfire. He didn't actually shoot him directly in the face. It yeah. was a ricochet that, a uh, that he took. It's a blow. Yeah, it's right, but it still managed to... Well, go ahead. Pop. Well, it's not good because he, he loses the sight uh, in one of his eyes. That's how right. bad this bullet wound to the jaw is. You're dealing with some dental pain right now, Dad. Imagine uh, <laughs> yeah. Imagine it was Shooting from a bullet. your eye out, yeah. son. <laughs> so, right in time for Christmas. <laughs> You'll really. shoot your eye out. <laughs> That's, uh, 24 hours of that coming up. Um, but, yeah, so he gets, uh, uh, in order to try to do something about the fact that he can't see out of one of his eyes, he attempts to get treatment. 
So he goes to a medical facility where he is captured and placed in jail. The murder of DeSoto Tiger and many other crimes were on the possible conviction docket for old John Ashley, but they said, I don't know if we can get this DeSoto Tiger murder to stick. So they started looking into hitting him for the robbery stuff because there's at least more evidence of that. So kind of <laughs> the same thing with you're not going to be able to get um, Al Capone for being the, the gangster that's running Chicago, but maybe he's not paying his taxes. That kind of a, a, a logic and thinking here. But his good old loyal brother Bob has a plan, though. Brothers named Bob are typically pretty loyal guys, right, Dad? Absolutely, especially when you're your older brother, Bob. <laughs> well, he's got a, a game plan. He's going to make his way into the jail, okay? Gets his way into the jail, kills one of the guards, uh, one of the cops that's actually guarding the place, shoots him almost point blank, steals his keys, and then attempts to flee to his escape car. The only backfiring part of the plan was it was a kind of car that he couldn't drive. Goddamn millennials and their stick shifts. Are you serious? <laughs> He didn't know how to drive this car, so then apparently he takes a gun and starts running up to the first couple of people he sees. He goes, hey, get you know, now, did drive he, this car for me. Now, did he not know how to drive the car because it was a newfangled piece of technology, or was it just like... It could be. Or it's just a, like... They didn't have much... Because um, have you ever actually watched a video on how difficult it was to drive an old Ford? Yeah. Well, we talked about that on the uh, Ford and the Dodge Brothers episode, that it was uh, it was definitely, uh, it was very close to uh, Mr. Garrison's uh, It Machine from South Park, <laughs> <laughs> for those who get that reference. But uh, eventually, he realizes he's not going to be able to operate this vehicle, and no one else can operate that vehicle, so yeah, he, he just, does. He hijacks, uh, he hijacks somebody else's uh, vehicle. Now, well, he hijacks a driver as well. He jumps onto the running boards of a pickup truck and just says, keep driving the fucking truck until we get out of here. <laughs> Y'all ain't got a mule like a steel. <laughs> <laughs> that would have worked better. But uh, anyway, during his eventual escape via passing truck, Bob Ashley would get wrapped up in a gunfight. It involved him killing another cop and then also being killed himself. The people of Florida were ready to lynch John Ashley right then and there, but the riot subsided once the crowd saw the body of John Ashley. Kid Lowe, again, the Chicago gangster who accidentally shot his partner in the face and, you know, kind of screwed up the whole operation in the first place. And sounds like a Jersey rapper. Oh, yeah. Kid Lowe <laughs> threatened to attack the town and free his buddy. Um, his buddy, by the way, who he had accidentally just Plaxico burst. Um, so... <laughs> No Another such attack Jersey ever came. Reference. Yep, good old, good old. I think it was Prams, New Jersey, or something like that. He was at a club or something, but yeah, no, he's in New York. Well, that, that's what happens when you wear sweatpants into a club and keep your gun in your waistband. Right. Yeah, listeners at home, especially the kids, if you're gonna carry a gun with you, don't do it in sweatpants. Okay, get a holster. Just I know it's a little bit more money, but shoulder holster. Otherwise, yeah, you're gonna it. Barney Fife yourself and. Uh, Shoot yourself in literally your own dick. That would be the greatest crossover episode ever is if uh, John Ashley made it to the streets of Mayberry. <laughs> <laughs> right. But right. Anyway, uh, it's it's time's coming here. We're going to have to figure out what's going to go on with this guy. Um, no such attack is going to come from Kidlow. And the king of the Everglades is sentenced to some hard time, but not for the murder of DeSoto. All right. They get him on the, the robbery charges. John Ashley is now a whipped model prisoner for two years at least. <laughs> All right. He escapes prison, and now that prohibition is in effect. He found a whole new world to make misery and money. In. Yeah, we're so nationwide, fantastic and new prohibition. Who's the guy? Is that is that sheriff? Really, Eric Albert just shows a picture of this guy, and uh, all I'm going to say is diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn, he he kind of looks boss hoggish. Like Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> Holy crap! A little more taft to him. A little more, yeah, a little more. That's our polite that. way of calling him fat. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, I will put that photo up over on uh, our Instagram. That's awesome here. But uh, the Ashley crew is still running, though. Okay, 
Ashley's girlfriend, uh, Laura Up the Grove. Is that how you pronounce that, Dad? Up, up, yes. up the Grove. Yep. Up the Grove. Yep. Very famous uh, or infamous family of uh, South Florida. Yeah, she is. Um, she's a uh, quite an interesting gal here. Spirited is what we call her. <laughs> yeah. um, you said South Florida girl, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's a. Uh, uh, pretty much actually in a primo position for the gang. And what she would do is she would drive a car uh, with no headlights on around the swamp area to come warn the, the boys whenever, you know, Johnny Law was coming calling. She was the mall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was a, she a was gun a case. mall, yeah. She was a gun, uh, a, uh, a case herself, too. There was, she was a, uh, a large gal, and we've seen wearing a holster, uh, you know, over her dress kind of a thing. So she was, uh, she fit the... She fit the, the stereotype, if you will. Well, we said that there's going to be um, some, you know, we mentioned uh, prohibition here. So there's going to be some moonshine and some distilling and whatnot going on. So I'm going to go ahead and give this away now about Laura Up the Grove. She dies. Um, on paper, they say it was suicide. In reality, they think that she um, mistakenly thought that a bottle of uh, cleaning disinfectant was gin. That was made. Yeah. So she and she had drank a, that and died. She had a little disagreement with somebody over the uh, moonshine that she had sold him. And then she got so upset after chasing this guy out of the store kind of a thing that then she then uh, chugged a, a bottle of who knows what. She thought it was gin, but it turned out it wasn't. I think she had a little disagreement with the labeling company. Well, when you're bottling moonshine, you don't necessarily put your own private label oh. on there. So. <laughs> But the moonshine thing's important It's meant here. to be drank. It's, well, uh, it's also true now, but uh, Up the Grove and uh, the rest of the gang, they're keeping things going over here. They'd secured and operated several stills in the central Florida area and were making a pretty penny selling moonshine to the good folks of Florida. Only problem was that there were other games in town. So combining their affinity and skills for bank robberies and drunken lawlessness in general, life was pretty great from 1918 till 1921 when John is again captured and sent back to prison one more time. His third and final escape from prison is still a subject of some debate. John somehow just simply vanished from his cell. They have no idea how he did it. He never even came clean on how he did it either. He, he's a skunk. Laundry day. No, he's a skunk ape. A skunk ape. <laughs> he's a Sasquatch. He just moves his way through. Yeah, it's just like Twin Peaks. He just disappears, moves on from thing exactly. to thing. Exactly, he's a Sasquatch. The Black Lodge. But it's, but it's Florida, so he's a skunk ape. Yeah, he's the <laughs> king of the Everglades. What do you expect damn anything right. The king of the Everglades. He simply vanished, but he's now back at it, baby. All right, and it's time to help out the good local farm-to-table moonshiners, okay? Not these, <laughs> not these mean that's big right. corporate distilleries. The local boys. There is a very popular drink that's coming in from some of the island nations around this time. This is when America starts to diversify its uh, liquor, if you will. So uh, cider was very, very popular in the American Revolution. Uh, whiskey's going to become, you know, whiskey's been around, but it's going to get, uh, you got your bourbon and whatnot that's going to be made too. You know, America's putting their spin on some of the old classics. We have bourbon? Well, uh, you know, it's about to get interesting. <laughs> rum is coming to America, baby. Oh, it's coming back. It's, it's coming style. back. I mean, it was big. Where's the rum? <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, LP. No, it's just that uh, America's, you know, the founding fathers, if you will, would get liquored on, as you said, cider or, or rum. That was a big part of the whole triangle trade thing back in the uh, pre-revolution and revolutionary war era. But uh, now we 
we're in this middle of this um, uh, deal where the United States government, the government men tell you you can't be, ma- you know, making your own liquor. Yep. And so there's moonshiners in the, in the glades that are s- helping supply uh, America's thirst for something a little more palatable. And uh, just offshore, not too far away from South Florida is the, the Bahamas, and they got some real good rum there. The fancy kind. <laughs> now, moonshine, um, I've had it. This is how dumb I am as a, a Jersey kid who grew up in the suburbs. Uh, one of my buddies who uh, came from uh, Tennessee, he was uh, a good guy. Larry Madison actually listens to the show. He well, he might not remember this, but uh, he texted me. He goes, "Yeah, man, it's awesome." Uh, it was around Christmas time. He gone home for leave. He goes back to Tennessee and he goes, "Yeah, my mom got me some. Uh, my mom got me a BlackBerry Shine." And I was like, "Oh, cool. Is that like you know, is that like an iPhone?" Oh, God. Oh, no. I thought he was talking about an actual Blackberry. And he's like, no, dude, this is Blackberry moonshine, you fucking idiot. (laughs) So, but uh, now he's going to get into it with uh, the Rum Runners out here a little bit. John would actually launch his pirate career around this time. Much like the Barbary Pirates, the boys of the Ashley Gang would like to ride up alongside of a ship full of the booze and the booze hounds. Wait, what year is this? Uh, Let's see. Do I have the year on this one? Early 20s. Yeah. Wait, wait. Pirates? (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, that they're also back in style. <laughs> so wait, <laughs> the rum was gone, <laughs> and now we have pirates. We're going back in time, baby. All right, Captain Jack, John Ashley. <laughs> what is all this new again? Three hundred years. It's uh, impressive. And by the way, he's going to have another little claim to fame here with uh, just how effective he's going to be out on the water. Um, I think you mentioned this via text message to me, actually, but. Uh, what the boys would do of the Ashley gang, they would take their little ship right up alongside a ship that they knew was full of rum, the rum runners bringing them in there, right? Um, they'd show up alongside them and then they'd say, hey, hey, it's really dangerous out here. Uh, we can offer you protection. Well, no, no, we don't really. Oh, no, no, no. It's from us. The protection's from us. <laughs> right. And if you don't pay us this ransom, we're just going to fuck your world up. <laughs> so if you were smart, you paid. But the problem is the Ashley That's gang is getting extortion. They are so effective at it, though. Oh, you guys use such negative terms. But <laughs> <laughs> just trying enterprising. To, they yeah. were just trying to help a brother out. Bring Buy local. That's what they're saying. Buy the local. <laughs> so, unfortunately, they get so effective between their actual piracy and then the, the protection money gets to be a little bit too much for everyone. The Ashley gang is so useful in this area that rum runners actually deem that section of South Florida to be no man's land. They consider it unmanageable and start trying to get into different ports. Like, listen, let's just go to Tampa. All right. It's a little bit longer of a trip, but then we got to, we're going to deal with these goddamn right. pirates in South Florida. We're, gonna, we're going to sail a little further north and get around these guys. Well, that's going to gain John the favor of a lot of the local distillers and the moonshiners because now people still got to buy their booze. Okay. Market's cornered. Yep. The market's now cornered and all the locals are like, oh, everybody, business is back, baby. We got rid of those guys who are trying to come in here with their foreign goods, you know? So no more import export. It's all, it's, it's all export at this point. The, the moonshine's got to go out to the people. So now they love John Ashley. They're talking him up nonstop. Like this guy, again, Robin Hood of the South, king of the Everglades. The king? Oh, yeah. He was, because they did not like the banks and they did not like um, uh, the law and order because Florida was, Florida's still wild. Let's be honest. Okay. Why didn't they like the banks? Well, <laughs> <laughs> we can't rehash anything from a previous episode. <laughs> well, it, that'll probably air before this one. I don't know, man. We'll see what happens, which order it winds up going down in. It probably could. Um, 
Now, again, old habits are going to die hard here, though. And John Ashley still loves himself a good old-fashioned bank robbery. All right, sure, whatever. I'm a pirate. Who okay. doesn't? <laughs> he actually, uh, real quickly, I want to just um, say one thing real quick as well before. It's very important to note here. John Ashley puts himself into the history books forever as being the last American pirate to rob a British colony when his crew pulls off a job in the Bahamas. Are you serious? <laughs> in the pull 20s. Off a, yep, in the 1920s. So imagine that. You're sitting there and you're like, oh, uh, and, an American this. pirate just uh, sacked the Bahamas. Oh, uh, which one are you talking about? Are we talking about Captain Kidd, Captain Cook? What are we talking about? Oh. No, he's been dead for 300 years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. This was Tuesday. This happened on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. This was in 1924. John Ashley, uh, um, it was actually only a two-man raid on the west end of the Bahamas. Which <laughs> oh, he was, did it with two guys? <laughs> two guys. Well, it's been 300 years since they've been robbed. <laughs> right. They weren't expecting they were, it. Uh, yeah, they weren't. They're like, security's <laughs> low. That's right. Uh, John, uh, his pirate okay. career kind of... Dying down a little bit. Like we said, he still loves himself a good old-fashioned bank robbery. Pulls off a huge score. In guess what town, Lawrence Patrick? Pompano Beach, baby. Pompano. Wow. Right where you're going to be heading. The cash was kept in a bed sheet, and the gang drove up and down <laughs> the streets. <laughs> no way. Well, Mama was up. still sleeping on the pillow case, yeah. so we had, to go. we had to go with the bed sheet. And we told you, they don't like banks. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... Now they're driving up and down the street. This is back in the 1920s, keep in mind. So now they got their Why waving don't their they guns like out. Banks? <laughs> <laughs> they're waving guns out the window. They got a bottle of whiskey that they're all popping off. And they say, we got it all. You know, it's like that John Mulaney joke. You tell them John Ashley and the boys were here because that's how much time you had before the cops could respond. So, yeah, this is South Florida, but it's really the Wild West of uh, oh, it sure is of the 1920s. So, well, uh, during the robbery, they also go ahead and uh, a little extra bravado here, a little Rex Ryan and the Jets kind of bravado to let you know uh, one you of like the victims, <laughs> one of the victims, if you will, who was left alive. Okay, left alive, but one of the victims who was robbed in the bank was left with a bullet by John Ashley himself, who explained this bullet is to be given to Sheriff Baker, Sheriff George B. Baker. With a message, <laughs> this is for you if you ever make it out to the Everglades. Right. If you come looking for us. Balls. We got we got a bullet with your wow. name on it. Well, challenge <laughs> issued, challenge accepted. And during this time period, John Ashley put himself, like we said, he pulls off that robbery over in the Bahamas. But this feud between John Ashley and, and Sheriff now, Baker never goes away. Blood feud. <laughs> That's right. Southern blood feud. <laughs> it's the Bakers against the Southern Ashleys. Southern Florida blood <laughs> feed. <laughs> George B. Baker, John Ashley, <laughs> Everglades this Sunday. <laughs> Y'all can't escape. <laughs> this is where it's at. It's a death match for sure. Pay your ticket. Show on up. <laughs> don't know what's going to happen. We don't either. <laughs> That's what it, it is. going. <laughs> he, he's so much fun to be friends with. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, unfortunately, John Ashley, uh, that challenge has been accepted. And after making a fool out of the sheriff time after time, and also narrowly avoiding an escape once, that there was a, uh, an ambush that was laid by the sheriff that would have captured John Ashley if he didn't get away at the last minute. George B. Baker can't hold me. <laughs> well, unfortunately, John Ashley now finds himself square in the rifle scope of good old Sheriff Baker. The sheriff, this is how intense this gets. The sheriff borrows assault weapons from the Florida National Guard. 
and starts deputizing citizens along the way. So it's like, I'm going to get Ashley. I'm going to get Ashley. Give me the weapons. I'm going to get him. Uh, we go knock on the door of every other building here at a shared universe and say, hey, you're a deputy now. Come with us. You're a deputy now. Come We're with taking us. over a shared universe. Here's your 10 star. We're getting Ashley. Get in. What if I don't? We're getting Ashley. Well, previous Intel had been a problem here, and this is why it was interesting, because uh, what happens when you're trying to put together a game plan to capture this guy, but the locals either refuse to talk to you or they give you fake information or they then run back and tell the king of the Everglades because they or like this guy. they're too damn drunk. <laughs> Could be another problem there. That is the, the Florida crackers, if you will, Dad. Now, you knew a little bit more about this whole cracker thing than the rest of us. Because, by the way, crack over in Ireland means um, storytelling, banter, and gossip. So, like, what's the crack would be the way of saying what, you know, what's going on, what's the word? It's cracking. Yeah. So another side project of right. mine that's coming out shortly is going to be called Smoke and Crack with KP Burke. <laughs> crack a joke. Crack a joke. All of that. Has, oh, yeah. Wise crackers. Right. So, right. So there you go. But that's the uh, the origin story for that term as well. But um, this time it's a little bit crazy here. He was considered a folk hero, okay, by the people. But this time, Sheriff Baker and the boys, they got him dead to rights. Before he could make his move to engage in what could be a days-long gun battle with starvation on the menu. <laughs> that was going to be one of their weapons. They said, we're going to make sure that we're here. We're camped out long enough that if it comes to be an issue, right. we'll we can starve, starve these bastards right. out. We'll starve them out. Oh, yeah. Damn. So so how many people were in uh, Sheriff's Posse Like at this point? We don't have the numbers on it, but definitely would be an advantage on their side. Right. I would they, say especially they they're also... The Ashley gang doesn't even know that they're pretty much being surrounded now at this point. Sheriff Baker's got more boys than he does. So. <laughs> well, He's coming well-armed with the National very Guard. Very well <laughs> yeah. And if he does not, um, if it wasn't for this little side note here where John's dog starts barking, okay, the deputies uh, then started firing at the dog, and John Ashley starts returning fire, okay? So John Ashley now goes John Wick and starts shooting at them because they're, they're messing with his dog. But the dog is what kind of warns the gang of what's going on over here. And a huge gunfight breaks out. His own father is killed in this gunfight. And John's now wife, Laura Up the Grove, is wounded. John is able to escape out of a secret hatch and promise vengeance for his wife and his father. Uh, the blood feud is now, unfortunately, in its final chapters here. They say his wife was screaming so loud that it actually petrified some of the men. And uh, because of that, it added another level of uh, chaos, if you will, that he was able to escape, you know, and kind of get out of there. John is uh, unable to find a way to spring his wife from jail. The heat was intense, enough so that it forced him to hide out in California for a little while. Again, making the jump and getting across the country until the heat dies down. So things were quiet there, but John Ashley started to put together a plan, Dad. Yep. On uh, November 1st, kind of an important day in our family, right? The day we got Kerry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 1924, John Ashley has his mind set on killing Sheriff George B. Baker. John had humiliated and killed family members of the sheriff, and Sheriff Baker had killed brothers, gang members, his father, and imprisoned his young wife. Somebody had to go, and John was planning on taking it out on the sheriff during a stop in what town, Kahuna? Goddamn right! <laughs> I'll give you one guess as to what town in Florida this little incident's going to be. South Beach? Nope. Pompano, <laughs> motherfucker! Nope. Nope. No? Orlando? Duval, the 904, Jacksonville, Florida. Are you kidding? Oh. <laughs> you set it up like it was a Pompano thing. I did. That was her misdirect. But all this would have worked out, too, it's if not for John Sheriff Ashley Baker. <laughs> Sheriff Baker finally gets some good intel. All right. And in Roseland, Florida, the Ashley gang's car was spotted and stopped by the ambush that was set in place by Sheriff George B. Baker. 
Yeah, they knew they were coming because his car, Ashley's gang's car, was seen. Um, somebody was loading up groceries, and uh, they just kind of followed the car. You know, follow the trail, follow the uh, follow the groceries. <laughs> it's going to lead you to, to John, and then the ambush was set up. Well, the official story is that John and two other men were being detained after having weapons found on them. John apparently, according to the police officers, then went for a gun that was hidden on his person and was killed in self-defense by the arresting officers. The Crackers of Florida, um, the Crackers of Florida, they were an interesting group. Um, they still say that uh, old John Ashley was murdered by the cops in Frontier Justice. Okay, The king of the Everglades was murdered. John's wife would die a few months later from a possible accidental suicide via some uh, bootlegging and, uh, as Eric said, erroneous Accident- labeling. <laughs> accidental suicide. The Ashley gang was either rounded up or uh, escaped into obscurity, but only a portion of their riches were ever recovered. The Ashley wealth could still be hidden for all we know. All right. Born and died in Florida. Pretty much. Uh, 36 Ugh. years old when he died. Uh, the family gravesite is considered to be where the stolen loot may have been buried. Uh, and that's again. People are still trying to figure out where they can get. I believe actually the the John Ashley's family plot is now a part of a gated community somewhere in Florida. That now it's like people are like playing golf over it, or you know, <laughs> yeah. being told they can't have pit bulls. So. And the amount of money that they uh, acquired <laughs> from various uh, uh, enterprises, um, they they robbed nearly forty banks and hijacked numerous shipments of illegal whiskey. But it, it's estimated that, uh, you know, they robbed nearly a million dollars worth of uh, illegal whiskey and, and bank robbery and everything else. So they were pretty well off crackers for uh, for, <laughs> for South Florida standards. They call that most, Ritz crackers. Most, most crackers are pretty well off. <laughs> <laughs> but that's essentially the end of the story here for this guy. But what a colorful, uh, colorful character. LP, do you have anything else you want to say before we throw no, the cocoon in there? That, that is ending. I think old George B. Baker wasn't going to have anybody uh, escape from his jail again or stand uh, stand trial. That uh, we'll, we'll take care of things right here in the car. Yeah, that, you're not, uh, you don't get to escape a fourth <laughs> time from jail. See if you can put a bullet into this boy's head and see if he can escape from that one. <laughs> Funny enough, George B. Baker was the model for Alex Karras in Porky's. No shit. Yeah. Alex Karras, <laughs> who played Mongo and Webster's dad, was the sheriff of Angel Beach, Florida, in Porky's, and he was modeled after George B. Baker, and I'm 100% full of shit. <laughs> He's been Mandela affecting all of us lately. It's, right. it's his new go. thing. It, it's fantastic. <laughs> you bought that almost all the way through. Because, uh, uh, dude, your knowledge on these things is ridiculous. First of all, if you told me about this guy, I'd say, nah, Eric's full of shit. There's no way that there was a pirate king of the Everglades in the 1920s, you know? Right. Or, or uh, pirated uh, rum from the Bahamas. Yeah. I mean, reading the first paragraph, we this is our kind of this is our kind of <laughs> loser. <laughs> but, guys, this is going to be uh, one of the last episodes I get a chance to record here in the studio with everybody. So I want to say thank you to the Kahuna for being behind the gonna ones and twos for us. man. Well, we're still going to talk on StreamYard and stuff. I know. And, uh, Did you get to read the Kid Low letter? Uh, I did read it, but I did not read it on air. If you have it in front of you, go for it. Oh, I done got it. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to do that. And I got a casting couch. Then I want to hit the casting couch from you two guys, and then we got to get out of here. Then we'll have to do, we'll have to do Baker. We'll have to do Ashley. Correct. And we'll have to do Kid Lowe. Well, Kid Lowe is uh, from Chicago, so uh, he's going to have like a really polite Midwestern accent. 
Mm. You're going to make me go Chicago on this? <laughs> he should be played by John Mulaney. <laughs> See, Pre I, or post rehab? <laughs> All right. This is the Kidlow letter about Ashley. Dear sir, <laughs> we were in your city at the time. One of our gang, young Bob Ashley, was brutally shot to death by your officers. And now your town can expect to feel the result of any of it any hour. And if John Ashley is not fairly dealt with and given a fair trial, turn loosely simple for the life of a goddamn seminal Indian, we expect to shoot up the whole goddamn town. <laughs> Regardless of what results might be, we expect to make our date and an early appearance. <laughs> How do you write that and send that to law enforcement? <laughs> yeah, right. right. Oh, I wonder, I wonder why they low. wanted to move the trial to uh, Miami. Low. <laughs> oh, man. Tell me, uh, let's thank Casting Couch here on the All way right. out, man. So, the, the guy who I'm going to have play our boy Baker is an actor who has sadly passed away, but if he were alive, is this is who I would cast him. Oh. Charles Durning. Okay. You know oh, I yeah. love that. I love that. That is fantastic. Charles Durning. I, I think, was also I going with a dead that. guy. I was also going with a dead guy. Um, I was going to go with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Ooh, interesting. Ooh. And then my my choice for for John Ashley, he's still alive. Uh, Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin was... Uh, the dad from uh, uh, Problem Child. Yeah, because I because like, I also remember him as the bad guy in the Great Muppet Caper. Oh yeah, <laughs> the dad from Beethoven. Sorry, I was gonna say yeah, yeah. You got the uh, dad from um, Problem Child was John Ritter, and he's dead. Yeah, yeah. You guys are just depressing the shit out of me. Yeah, aren't really? yeah. All these dead guys. Weird, man. I'll say this: I got one for to play uh, John Ashley, and uh, you and me talked about it on the phone with John Belushi. Fuck you. That oh, was my man. choice. <laughs> that was my choice, you son of a bitch. Now, a living actor, Matthew McConaughey, to play him. Yeah, you said McConaughey. Yeah. And I was like, no, yeah, Belushi. He'd be good. Belushi. He'd be good Belushi. Oh, well, then what the SNL alumni would you cast as Baker then? If if Because if you can't have Belushi as. Ooh. Is it Ackroyd? Because I don't feel like it should be Ackroyd. If you made uh, if you made Norm Macdonald play George B. Baker, <laughs> I would watch whatever movie. I'll watch anything that Norm Macdonald. I was going to say, if you made Norm Macdonald anyone, <laughs> you're right. I'm He's watching. Got to watch it. Yeah, that kid low, you know, it's uh, coming back here again. Do, uh, do this shitty Chicago. I just want to shoot up your whole town. You know, <laughs> you guys don't do what I do. It's <laughs> goddamn Seminole Indian. That's <laughs> you know, like this one time, um, with the sirens. <laughs> and they stop right now. I love it. On cue almost. Yeah. That's a Norm McDonald joke. Well, we're going to have to get out of here in a second, man. So uh, anybody else had a casting couch? LP, what, if you no. wanted to, throw a guy into a movie here. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Nope. Not, Not going to do, do it. it. <laughs> Wouldn't be prudent. Um, well, you from could our have previous episode. You could have Jackie Gleason in a comedic role uh, for the sheriff because I mean he, I love uh, that Smokey in the band. He, he's all over that. I that. thought you would have been taller. <laughs> No, uh, what did you say from the previous episode? Yeah. Talking Camp Siegfried or Emperor Norton? Camp Siegfried. Camp Siegfried. Okay. Off topic, but keep going. Yeah. Um, if we were going to go with Kuhn, 
Who would you go with? Casting couch for the Camp Siegfried one. We're off in a weird direction right now, guys. Small, but, but it, it's it's wrapping. Um, I would probably get uh, Christoph Waltz because he seems to be able to play a uh, uh, funny, uh, over-the-top Nazi well. Okay. <laughs> I go back even further. Who was the dude who played Dr. Strangelove? <laughs> oh, there you go. There's a, a lot of good people in that one, man. But we got to land this plane, all right? We got to get the hell out of here. I want to say thank you to Mike and Ming. I want to say thank you to the people over at the Patreon. I want to say thank you to my dad making me love history. I want to say uh, safe travels for you to get down to Pompano, all right? And try not to become the new king of the Everglades while and you're to down you. there. And to you. That's <laughs> right. Please do not do that. But my Camp Siegfried casting call is going to be none other than Scotty from Boogie Nights, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Twofer. Getting a lot of work to that dead guy. <laughs> we go back in time fucking and make the idiot, movie. Fucking idiot. Fucking <laughs> idiot. I will say this, though, man. Eric, uh, thank you for giving us two for two on just crazy topics to talk about on the show, buddy. So. You gave the first one. I did, but it was you knew about it, too. So that was what was exciting. It's not hard to know things. <laughs> it is when you don't listen Your to this show. Your listeners do. They know shit. That's why they listen. They want to learn more. Get that education going. And thank you guys so much for your continued support of the show. We will keep this bad boy rolling from uh, Florida, but this is going to be one of our last ones in studio here. So I want to say thank you to all the listeners at home. And guys, that was John Ashley, King of the Everglades, an American loser. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born born